Welcome into Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Today we'll talk about a novel about a superhero college freshman who can change five seconds for the better. I bet we all wish we could change uh, quite a few seconds from our, our college days if we could go back. Uh, an event to celebrate beef. Can we make this a state holiday? I'm all for that. Uh, MU Extension will be here to tell us what's wrong with our plants. Some lawmakers are proposing to implement driver's ed as a school course in order to graduate. Anthony Morbeth is with State Representative Roger Reedy. House Bill 603 is a bill that uh, I have worked on for the last couple years. Uh, it came from a constituent who was actually a former uh, a retired driver's education teacher. Uh, there is a need for some driver's education in to be out there because we have a lot of young people that when they start to drive uh, they may have not had much training or uh, very little uh, education on driving and he his uh, response to me he he had had several parents that had actually asked him to help their kids get started um, you know this bill uh, back in the days uh, several years ago uh, typically, the driver's education classes in the schools was during the school hours. Uh, they had classroom instruction. They had driving, actual driving instruction. Uh, the schools have kind of got away from that, and typically we see them having programs in the summer maybe uh, where students can uh, take the driver's education course for a fee. But uh, what I wanted to do with my bill is make it available to all students because there are those kids that cannot uh, take it during the summer or don't have the means to be able to take those courses. So as we started with this bill, um, we we work. I worked with the education committee last year, and uh, what my bill does basically is um, it requires DESE to develop a curriculum to make this a just a part of the health uh, requirement or health curriculum requirement that is uh, that is required now you know all students have to have a half credit of health to graduate so this would be just a section in that it would not require them to be in seat driving which it could, would be a great thing, but the cost gets pro prohibitive at times. But it would, they would talk about things such as uh, safe driving, um, things you do at, say, uh, if you get at a traffic stop, correct uh, turning, uh, just a number of things that could be addressed in a classroom setting that would give those students at least some information about what to expect when they start driving. So let's pick apart this bill a little bit here. Is this being offered currently in, um, in the majority of school districts, or does this put a statute in place where school districts across the state have to offer this? Right now, uh, it's not in statute that schools have to do this. And most schools, what they do is offer a maybe a driver's education class during the summer as a extra class, but the the uh, students that are taking that have to pay an extra fee to do that. This would just this is this this bill would expose new drivers to uh, different aspects of driving. Um, 
we we hear a lot about distracted driving, uh, safety issues, things like that. So, uh, I what I, I did not want to do is put a increased um, burden on the schools or a uh, you know more requirements that was going to have a high fiscal note. Uh, so this was my solution was to put it in that health curriculum. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking with State Representative Roger Reedy of Windsor on his proposed House Bill 603, requiring public schools to offer a driver's ed course that students must complete before graduating. And I was taking a look at your bill before we uh, got into this interview itself, and this is more of a question of clarifying, and that is, is this going to be offered as an elective, or are students going to be required to take specifically this class before they graduate, if you understand what I'm asking. Right now, the half credit of health is a requirement for graduation. So since it's a requirement and putting this as part of the curriculum in in that health class, then would, would require it and would ensure that all students had this uh, training before they did graduate. Take a look at the supports and the opposition of this bill. One person that spoke in support of this bill said uh, that this being required is important, basically comparing it to learning how to balance a checkbook, learning how to make a resume, learning how to cook, uh, things like that. Um, what other sort of support have you heard in regards to uh, this piece of legislation, whether it be members of the public or your fellow legislators? Well, I, I had really good support on the committee. Uh, a lot of them expressed the fact they would like to see some in-seat driving in the class, but they understood why I took the approach I did. Uh, the committee uh, received this uh, uh, bill really well. It was actually uh, voted in executive session due pass today, uh, so that sends it on into the, pro into the process. Uh, I've had... Uh, Members of the the, li the liaison from the Highway Patrol has testified for informational purposes and, you know, thinks that this is a way of uh, saving lives. And this is what it's really about, is we, we lose too many young people when they first start driving. And so if we can save one life because of this bill, it's going to be worth all the time and effort that I've been putting into it. Also, I've had some other groups. Uh, I've had uh, a group this, of cyclists who uh, are very much interested in the bill. It's just a good concept. It's kind of common sense, and it's one of those things that can be done uh, with not putting extra requirements on the school districts, but just to uh, get the, those students a little more education before they get behind the wheel. I want to ask this question mostly in the name of trying to be fair. Is there any sort of opposition to this bill? I'm thinking out loud here, and I, again, I'm just throwing this out there. Is, like, some of the drivers' schools themselves potentially opposed to this kind of legislation because, you know, this might possibly take their business away from them? I, I have had nobody that has uh, reached out to me to to oppose the bill uh, because also in the bill it says that any of these programs the schools already have, uh, it, it doesn't take away from them. They can still do that as well. Um, and 
the purpose of my bill is to make sure every student, whether they have the opportunity to do those summer classes or not, have the opportunity to have some driver's education. So, no, I haven't had anybody reach out to me. And, you know, the first year um, when there was uh, in-seat driving in the requirement, uh, of course, there was a little pushback because of the cost. I worked with two of the members of the education committee to come up with this idea of putting it in the health curriculum. And so I, I've had nobody that has come out and opposed the bill. And as we bring this discussion to a close, we're talking with State Representative Roger Reedy of Windsor on his proposed House Bill 603. Is this as simple as driving needs to be taken more seriously? I think uh, it's uh, just a fact that as uh, we've had the, the schools have had more and more requirements put on them, uh, a class like this is kind of uh, was taken off, maybe out of the curriculum during the regular school year. And so um, with that being said, uh, I just think we need to step back and think about things that are really important. It's kind of like uh, personal finance, uh, just practical things that students are going to need to know when they get out in the world. And, and But, you know, this is a safety issue. This is uh, trying to uh, raise awareness that there is um, drivers that uh, maybe need a little more edu- education, need a little more training before they start driving. It's called House Bill 603. You can keep in touch with the latest movements of that this 2023 legislative session at house.mo.gov. This is Show Me Today, Voice of Missouri. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude. Did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. 
Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Back on Show Me Today, 24-year-old Nicole Schroeder just published her first novel, Twisted Fates, Playback's Story. A superhero freshman college student who has the ability to go back five seconds and change it for the better. Cameron Connor is with Nicole. At what point did it manifest with you that you wanted to be an author in the first place? Honestly, it's hard for me to remember exactly when it was. Sometime when I was you know, really little, when I was in elementary school, I was that kid who loved books, who was reading books far bigger than probably most people would have expected me to be reading. Um, you know, I was trying to read the Harry Potter series whenever I was in third grade. So um, I've always enjoyed stories and storytelling. Um, and at some point along the way, I decided that I wanted to write books as well. And so um, I I had notebooks full of story ideas um, when I was, you know, in those grade levels. And most of them are still unfinished and, um, you know, in varying stages of completion or, you know, accuracy or not accuracy, but um, quality. (laughs) Um, There there are plenty that will probably never see the light of day again if I can help it. Um, But, you know, I kept writing and and continued to enjoy storytelling and um, eventually that led me to here okay great and talking about what led you to here for any of you that are just now listening or tuning in this is show me today the voice of missouri i'm cameron connor we're here with nicole schroeder she is a newly published novel author and we are here to talk about that today the book is titled twisted fate playback story give people the rundown nicole what exactly is playback story what is this novel about this novel is the the easiest uh, way to describe it is a superhero story. Um, Playback is a young girl. She's a freshman in college who, um, through a series of events um, and unexpected accident, uh, ends up with powers she can't explain, um, powers that allow her to rewind time in five-second increments so she can change only the last decision she made. Um as she starts to kind of explore these powers and um, this new ability of hers, she decides she wants to use it to become a superhero, but um, there's a lot more to being a superhero than she realizes at first. There's a lot of decisions that um, don't necessarily have a right or wrong option. Okay. Okay, great. What, what a fascinating concept. 
it, this is just at least what I'm picking up from it from, from your description. Even though this this is a superhero story, it seems like there are some greater messages in it. I mean, because when you think about the the concept of being able to go back and change the last five seconds, I feel like there's a lot of people that probably think about that to themselves and wonder, man, if I were to be able to do that and whenever this happened or whenever that happened. So I'm assuming there's some pretty good life lessons that come out of the story, correct? Absolutely. There's a lot of um, contemplation and um, consideration of what choices we face um, in our daily lives beyond just, you know, the life-altering and world-altering decisions that a superhero might make, um, the decisions that we make as individuals um, when we're interacting with people, when we are just going about our daily lives, um, and what the ramifications and consequences of those choices can be. Stepping away from the story of the book a little bit, I want to talk about the process of writing it, because first off, once again, this is your first novel, so congratulations. That's an unbelievable feat. It's a fantastic accomplishment, and with that, what was it like writing the book? Because for like for me personally, I could never imagine tackling that. And you you've been chomping at the bit to do it your whole life from from basically your your origin of how you wanted to become an author. So, what was the process like? Well, first of all, thank you. It is it is very exciting to finally see it in print, and truthfully, still a little surreal. Um, honestly, the process kind of was different from the way that I've tried to write in the past. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's probably why this is the first book that I've fully seen through to the finish line. Um, it was, um, I, I started out in a writing competition, writing competition or writing challenge called uh, NaNoWriMo or National Novel Writing Month. Um, so in the month of November, Writers around the world are challenged to write 50,000 words or the length of one novel. Uh, within those 30 days, you start at midnight on November 1st and end at 11.59 p.m. November 30th. Um, and I did not <laughs> finish the 50,000 words on this book um, in November 2021, which is when I started it. Um, but it gave me kind of the foundations of the story and gave me enough of an idea of where I wanted to go with it where I was able to kind of map it out from there, um, scene by scene and chapter by chapter. And then from there, it was just um, a lot of, you know, putting in the time with it. Um, I was writing in the evenings for, you know, two or three hours after I would get done with work and dinner for the evening. And I would, I would just kind of block out everything else and write. Um, I've missed out on a lot of TV shows and <laughs> movies that people have been talking about because I've been working on the book. Um, so I've got a lot of catching up to do now. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a lot of putting in the time. Um, I've got a great support system uh, through my work. Um, I work at a magazine for self-published and independent authors, um, but also just the writing community and friends that kind of supported me and cheered me on and uh, continued to uh, let me rant or talk about the book um, until I finally was able to write the end. Yeah, and a rewarding journey nonetheless. And you kind of dovetailed into my last question. Not only is this your first novel, you are also self-published, which comes with some of its own very rewarding aspects, but also some other ones that are a little bit more challenging as well when you don't have you know, the vehicle of a publisher behind you. So what was that like, basically figuring out how to generate the activity or I guess the buzz around this book. Uh, it's, 
it's definitely been a journey and a learning process. Um, like I said before, because I work with so many independent authors and self-published authors already, um, I was very lucky in that I had a great support system and also a great um, mentorship <laughs> opportunity. Um, there were, you know, many times where the stories we would work on for the magazine that I would pitch uh, were also because I needed to learn about how to do certain things like um, finding a cover designer or, you know, marking myself on social media. And I am by no means um, great at any of those things yet, but um, being open to that process and just doing the research and, and learning about it in that respect um, has been so helpful. And I know that, you know, I've already got ideas for, um, the next book in the series and how I could make the process so much easier on myself down the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had to, um, as a self-published author, I was in charge of finding the editors, finding the, uh, or the, um, the cover designer, finding the, um, kind of promotional ways I wanted to promote it or distribute it. Um, so yeah, it's been a lot of, of research and hard work. It, certainly took longer than I expected it would um, because I was the one in charge of all of it. For those of you just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. We're here with Nicole Schroeder talking about her new and first novel, Twisted Fate Playback Story. It's about a freshman in college who has the ability to change the last five seconds in time if she needs to. And basically, basically from that, one of the wrap-up questions I'll give you, Nicole, is where can people find this book? Um, currently it is only an ebook, but, um, the paperback option should be coming here in the next week or so. Um, it's available currently on pretty much all, all of the major retailers. So Barnes and Noble, Kobo, uh, Apple books, um, Amazon, of course, um, and a few other smaller ones if people are interested in those. Okay, great, great. And <laughs> this is just for amusement purposes only. No, actually, there doesn't have to be any sort of details given or anything like that. But you've been juggling and dealing with finishing the book, finding ways to publish the book, this, that, the other. But the one question I always try to ask, especially when it comes to fictional stories like this, have you already started thinking about a sequel or is it or does it cut off? <laughs> oh, there is absolutely a sequel planned. Um, what superhero story at this day and age uh, doesn't eventually have a team up? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. I love the cliffhanger there. That's fantastic way to draw people in for the first one. And then we'll all be gearing up and waiting for the second one and excited for you to come back on and talk about it whenever that does manifest one day. But once again, this has been Nicole Schroeder. She's the author of the new book, her first debut book, debut novel, that is Twisted Fate, Playback Story. Nicole, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. And thank you for joining us today. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you talk and they will hear you. 
Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking during the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No. But you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Show Me Today. I'm Bill Pollack. I was going to suggest we make this a, a state holiday, but it's actually a week-long event. Missouri Beef Days, May 6th through the 13th. Elisa Nelson talks to Mary Grace Warden about the event that will take place in the Bolivar area. 
So Missouri Beef Days is an organization. It started last year in 2022, and it was a giant success. So they're putting it on, uh, putting it on again this year in 2023, and they have added a bunch more things to the schedule. Um, many things like a concert, more rodeo days, as well as different speakers and like Temple Grandin. That sounds fun. So this is in Bolivar then? Yes, it is in Bolivar as well as some other like small parts of um, Polk County and different surrounding towns. When is it? Missouri Beef Days starts on May 6th and is throughout the week and then it ends on May 13th with the Ag Expo. So is this your first year with Missouri Beef Days or is this your second year? This is my second year helping out since it started last year. Um, there's many different volunteer opportunities that the FFA does, and that's what I helped with that last year, and I'm going to be doing it again this year. Why did you decide you wanted to participate in this and then uh, the first year, and then you decided to sign on for another year? Well, I'm a part of the Missouri Cattlemen's as well as our Polk County Cattlemen's Association, and they are a big help with this um, production and so I wanted to help out and so that's how I kind of came up with it or came up with helping. Okay out of all of these things that are going to be at Missouri Beef Days what are you most excited about on the schedule? I am most excited to hear Timbal Grandin speak again. She spoke last year and it was amazing and I'm excited to hear her speak again. Who is Temple Grandin? Temple Grandin is an amazing person. She came up with the like modern day way that the slaughterhouses slaughter their cattle, a more humane way. And she has overcome her autism to do that. She's a great woman in agriculture. That's fascinating. That sounds like it would be a great talk. So this is a really catchy name, Boots and Bling. Tell me about that. So the Boots and Bling Banquet is a great way that um, the Cattlemen's has put it together a way to uh, raise money for scholarships. Um, the FFA members provide food and serve that out to people. And it's just a great little get together, a great banquet for um, supporters of the um, beef days, as well as other community members to support the future. Okay, and uh, where do the scholarships go to? The scholarships go to different things. Um, there's several different scholarships that are provided there. Ag scholarships? Yes, and I think as well as, well as other scholarships too. Okay, all right, great. Um, I also think that the rodeo looks like a lot of fun. Tell me about um, the rodeo. Did you go to it last year? So I did go to it last year, and last year it was a very big hit, and it was one day last year. This year is two days. Um, they had to spread it out to two days because it was such a big event. So the rodeo is um, Thursday, May 11th, and Friday, May 12th. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's positive if they had to spread it out over two days. And, okay, this sounds great. The wine and beef pairing and the whiskey and beef pairing. May 9th for the wine and beef pairing and then May 10th for the whiskey and beef pairing. Um, did you offer this last year as well? No, we did not. They're both brand new this year. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be excited to hear uh, what the turnout is like for that. Now, what can people do if they're interested in going? So they can go to MissouriBeefDays.com and that has more information and then as well as tickets to all of these events. 
what was the turnout like last year? Do you have like an estimate? I don't know the estimate numbers, but it was really good turnout for everything. Almost everything was sold out every day. So that's why we put on more events this year to hopefully more people come. And what are, uh, do you know what ticket sales look like at this point? Are there plenty left? I'd say that there are plenty left for most things. We haven't cut, they haven't announced who's uh, performing for the concert yet. So probably as soon as that is um, announced, that will probably be sold out. So look, keep looking at that as well as um, they haven't announced as where well as other things are at, so. Okay, I'll be interested to see uh, who ends up being there uh, for the concert. Mary Grace Warden, a senior at Bolivar High School here on Show Me Today to talk about Missouri Beef Days coming up May 6th through May 13th in Bolivar. Um, you can go to MissouriBeefDays.com for more information. Anything else about this big old get-together that Missouri needs to know about? I would recommend coming. It is a great way to celebrate um, the agriculture today, and it is a great way to support your local farmers. Now, do you live on a farm? I don't live on a farm, but I have grown up in the agricultural industry. Ooh, tell me a little bit more about that. So I grew up helping my grandparents on their farm. They, they're crop farmers as well as beef farmers. Um, and then I have my own Hereford herd on their farm. Tell me about Herefords. Herefords are a red and white cattle breed. Um, they're both horned and polled. And I show them for, um, I show them in the summer as well as raise them from calves. Uh, do you sell them for meat or do you just show them? We sell some for meat, but we also sell them um, for show animals to other buyers. This is how clueless I am about the agriculture industry. Okay, so um, what kind of work goes into showing them and also uh, selling them for meat? Yeah, so I guess the process starts with breeding the moms. Um, so we breed them to different bulls across the nation. And then once they calve, if they are a good prospect to for us to show, then we will put them in our show barn and then we will feed them up and show them throughout the summer. Um, and then if they're going to be a good, uh, if they're a good heifer and it's going to be a good cow, then we'll turn them out with the rest of our cows and breed them to be good cows. If they're not going to be our show animals, we either sell them for meat for us or we sell them to other potential buyers for show animals. Okay, what kind of time does that require you as a senior in high school to have to go over and care for them on a regular basis? Well, during show season, it is a daily task. You have to feed them every morning and night, as well as make sure they are watered properly and have feed throughout the day, as well as wash them daily and other things too. You have to wash them daily. Why do you wash them daily? So we wash our show animals just to keep their hair nice and beautiful, as well as um, good for the show ring when it comes time for that. What goes into washing them? Washing them, we rinse them down. Um, we use different cattle soaps as well as human soaps to get their uh, hair looking great and then uh, walk them for a while and dry them and blow dry them off. Uh, do you go to Bath and Body Works to pick up that soap? No, that's a little too expensive for cattle soap. So, okay, anything else that we should know about, about the work that it takes to show your cattle and also uh, prep them for market? 
So some people think that it's just you just feed them every morning and every night, but um, it takes a lot more than that. You have to think about what it takes for that farmer to get out there every day and make sure they're, they're in their pens safe, away from predators, um, away from other things too. You have to make sure that they are healthy. You have to check on them daily or almost every day, making sure that each animal is properly eating and is not sick or harmed in any way. Give me the names of your cows. Well, I have several names. Um, my favorite is Rose and Catwoman. They're my two favorite cows. They are both, one is five and one is seven. What is the, the lifespan of a cow? Lifespan of a cow is, I think it's different for different breeds, but um, I know for Herefords, it's usually around 10, 13 years. Okay. Good to know, and how, how big can they get? They can get pretty big. Um, bulls, of course, are larger than um, cows, but several thousand pounds usually okay. for bulls. Uh, a couple, maybe a thousand for a heifer cow, for sure. Okay. So how do you move them when you need to? So most of mine are all halter broke, so I can walk them on a leash like a dog. Can they, will they sit like a dog and roll over like a dog? Not quite. They don't <laughs> listen as well as dogs do, I can tell you that. <laughs> All right. It's been fun talking with you. Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Just support your farmers and um, come to Missouri Beef Days. We would love to have you. Missouri Beef Days, May 6th through the 13th in Bolivar, Missouri. You can go to MissouriBeefDays.com for more information. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Over the past few years, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected how we live our daily lives. Today, one in five Americans experience emotional and mental health challenges, but many of us do not understand what we are facing or how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit mentallyhealthynation.org to learn more. I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Bought it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Teddy! No! Are you okay? Somebody do something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet. It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? 
Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri, and it's our weekly visit with MU Extension. And joining us is Katie Kamler, field specialist in horticulture. Katie, nice to have you back with us. Great to be back. Uh, The theme of today's conversation is what's wrong with my plant? Now, are we talking about uh, indoor house plants or plants in the garden? Any plants. Any plants, Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, that's the, probably the most common question that comes to those of us in horticulture is, what's wrong with my plant? Yeah. I mean, because I was going to say, I mean, we're just at the start of the planting season, and we're already talking about the negatives. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, that's because uh, we can do some things to prevent those things that go wrong with plants. All right. And uh, yeah, well, listen, it's great to be it's better to be prepared than to be caught off guard. Um, that's right. Katie, I, I guess the most important thing that we need to know um, is what are the factors? What are the, the bullet points of the things that can harm or damage our plants? I guess we have to identify that first, don't we? So, yes. And, and the first step of that is actually knowing what kind of plant you have. Um, so many plant problems are specific to a certain type of plant. So an example of that that we will be seeing here probably in the next month or so is fire blight. Fire blight is only a problem on apples and pears. So just knowing uh, the specific plant uh, really helps trying to figure out what might be going on with it. And what is fire blight? Fire blight is a bacterial disease uh, that causes uh, browning, and we call it shepherd's crooking. So the the tips of the branches turn down. And um, when we're talking about production in apples and pears, it can be a pretty devastating disease. All right. How do we correct something like that? So it's it's figuring out what the problem is and then how to either prevent it or um, prevent it from spreading. Diseases are a little different in that we can't fix what already happened, but we can hopefully prevent them from spreading. And a lot of um, prevention on those is, is trying to prevent it in the first place. So um, could be a, a um, fungicide spray schedule in order to prevent the problem from starting to begin with. And, of course, weather plays a huge role in a lot of things that go on with our plants. Katie Kamler? So, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. So so it's it's knowing what's going on with that weather, whether we've had a hailstorm, lightning, wind, snow, ice, early or late frost, excessive rain or drought, which I think we've seen all of those in the last month. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, our weather in Missouri is crazy, and yeah, we have. I mean, we've seen all of those things, and they can really do a, a number on our plants. Katie Kamler is a field specialist in horticulture with MU Extension. What's wrong with my plant? The big question. Um, what are some visual signs that people should look for? You talked about in particular with that, that fungus of, of leaves turning down, but what are some other things for uh, our plants in general? to look closely at the plant, see what part of the plant is affected. Is it just on the leaves? Could it be damaged from insects? Or was it a mechanical injury that the mower bumped the tree? Um, Look at the plants to see if it's just that specific plant, or is it a problem on multiple species? Is, Is your whole flower bed affected? Or is it just one specific type of plant? Um, So looking for, as I said, chewing damage, holes in the leaves, um, wilting, discoloration, all of those things are part of trying to figure out what's going on. If uh, someone goes out into their garden and they see something, it's like, boy, this just doesn't look right. Can they take photos and and bring them into their local MU Extension office? Would you be able to help that one? Yes. Yes, uh, photos are great. Um, samples are also good. I actually had a lady bring me in a leaf yesterday that we're still trying to figure out what's going on with it. Um, but uh, all of those things are very helpful. It, the more information that we know, the easier it is to try to diagnose it. So as I mentioned, what kind of plant is it? When did you start seeing problems? Uh, what's been going on in your yard? Did something change? Um, what have we done to the plants? Uh, sometimes, sometimes we're at fault on on what's wrong. Um, we've overwatered or underwatered. Or um, here lately, we've seen lots of high uh, soil tests with really excess levels of phosphorus and potassium. So we've over fertilized. Um, did we prune at the wrong time and cut off all the flower beds? Was it planted too deep? Um, was it mulched wrong? All of these things are are things that. This, in part, we control uh, and um, can can either help the plant's health or be a detriment to it. Katie, you uh, you rattled off a lot of things there. When uh, plants are in distress, uh, how much of it? What's the percentage of uh, of nature, and what's the percentage of us just messing up in the garden? It depends. Um, <laughs> Mother Nature plays a, a huge role, um, although sometimes we, we've seen uh, we love our plants to death um, uh, in some cases. So um, it's moderation. It's figuring out. It's knowing that plant itself, what it likes, because some plants are shade. Some plants are sun. Um, it's planting that right plant in the right place. Also, plants that are adapted to our Missouri conditions can really help give us a jump start on a healthy plant. Katie Kamler from MU Extension. What's wrong with my plant? Um, If we see something, should we be uh, conservative before we start throwing a a bunch of different things or solutions at it? Or or do you need to be aggressive right away when you see something, something off? be conservative. Um, we, we like to, to um, talk about integrated pest management. So this reduces 
test problems in an environmentally friendly way. So it's it's a systems approach. So um, it's being observant, watching what's going on with your plants. Uh, a lot of times people come to me and say, hey, this, this plant isn't looking good. Well, it happened a long time before they noticed it. Um, so, so being observant is probably the biggest uh, thing is, is looking at your plants and, and knowing what's going on with them. And um, also thinking some problems are just cosmetic. Oh, yes, um, those caterpillars are, are chewing on those leaves and eating that plant, but those caterpillars become butterflies uh, and, and are pollinators, and we enjoy those in the garden. So thinking some of the, about that. And um, also on a control um controlling problems, what's the value of the plant? Is it, um, you know, that huge shade tree that your grandpa planted uh, that has lots of memories associated with it uh, compared to that plant that you bought on the sale rack? <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's okay if, if something goes wrong with it. And the other reality is some plants die no matter what you do. <laughs> Uh, they also have lifespans just like you and I do. And uh, particularly, I have to say that a lot with tree problems because a lot of times when we get tree problems, we can't fix what's gone wrong. Yeah, you know, we had a tree. Uh, the grandparents brought us from from the south, brought us uh, a little, I mean, this is going years back, brought us this little uh, pine tree. And we put it in our yard and thought, well, let's see what it does in Missouri. You know, well, the thing grew, grew, got crazy big. And then uh, one summer, it got brown. And I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to have to cut this thing down. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it through the winter. And then, uh, you know, next spring, I guess, when we start clean up, we'll. And then all of a sudden, it came back green. It, it like it revived itself. So you talk about patience. Uh, had I had I cut that thing down in the fall, I would have regretted it because it, it bounced back somehow. And I still don't know what the sure. issue was. <laughs> and that's what we're here for also is to, to try to help walk you through those issues and, and determine that course of action. Yeah. Yep. And I wish I would have known about that uh, at the time. But uh, I guess my ignorance worked out because I was patient with it and it came back. So uh, Katie Kamler with MU Extension, what's wrong with our plant? The, the main thing is uh, identify, kind of follow it, be patient, and then always reach out to your office. That's right. Show me the day. Show me today